You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. as children of the Most High God. You're sons and daughters of the Most High God if you've accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross and are born again. You are His child. You are His child, and He loves you so much. As a father loves a son, as a father loves a daughter, believe that it was paid for on the cross, and when Jesus said it's finished, it is finished, and settle it in your heart. Are you living in the freedom Jesus secured for you? You have the power through Him to resist sin and to live a life that reflects His love and grace to the world around you. As Pastor Dave will challenge you in today's message, if you believe in what Christ has done, your life should look vastly different from this world. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34 as he continues his message, The Best for Last. You are In Deuteronomy, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, verse uh, chapter 34, it's believed that Joshua writes this about Moses. Since Moses had already died, they believe that Joshua wrote this because Moses wasn't type, the type of guy to write this about himself. Joshua wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit. In Deuteronomy 34, let's look through 10 through 12. But since then... There has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants in all his land, and all and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in sight of all Israel. What a beautiful epitaph. What a beautiful epitaph Joshua writes of Moses. Moses was unique. He was a unique person because of Number one, his personal intimacy with God. Moses had a personal intimacy with God, not just because the physical face-to-face, but it carries the idea of unhindered relationship. He had an unhindered relationship with God. Moses was unique in the number of kind of miraculous works he did, all the plagues, all the other things. Moses was unique in the power and authority in which he would lead the nation of Israel. Moses was a very unique man. And since then, there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses. Sure, there may have been great leaders. There may have been great prophets and there have been great priests. But before the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, there was never one man who held all those titles simultaneously like Moses. Like Moses. To this day, the Jews, as I said, revere Moses. And they still call him the Deliverer. When I was working at Cape May Tech, there was a young female PE teacher who was Jewish. And we spent a lot of time talking about Christ. I spent a lot of time witnessing to her about Jesus Christ. I spent a long time in the Old Testament trying to witness to her, trying to share Christ with her. And every time I would, she would say, I don't want to hear about Christ. I want to hear about Moses. I said, why Moses? Because he's our deliverer. I said, oh, you're in for a big surprise. 
you're in for a big surprise, dear. I asked her, I asked her, who are they writing about in Psalm, I mean, in, in Isaiah 53? I said, who are they writing about in Isaiah 53? She said, you want me to say it's been written about Jesus Christ? I said, I didn't say that. I just want to know who you think it's written about. Obviously, you think it's about the Messiah. They're in for a big surprise. They're in for a major surprise. Because Moses, whom they think is their deliverer, Jesus here is saying, he's your accuser. He's accusing you because you didn't obey the law. You didn't obey the law that God gave you. You didn't do the things that God was supposed to give you. So it's Moses whom the Jews trusted, accusing them before God. Why? Because Jesus says, Moses wrote of me. Go back to our text here. Look at verse 46. If you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he, Moses, wrote about me. Jesus declared, if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. These religious leaders rejected Jesus because they rejected God's word that he had given to Moses. Moses wrote about me, Jesus said. Moses accuses them because all through the first five books of the Bible, which were written by Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's called the Pentateuch, it's called the Law, it's called the Torah. In there is more and more and more information about Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 5, 39, we studied it a couple weeks ago, you search the scriptures, you think you have eternal life, but they testify of me. The words written by Moses fulfill this, prophetically speaking about the Messiah in so many places. So many places. I've picked, I've picked a few out. But there are so many places where Moses talks about the Messiah. One of the ones that is most quoted is Deuteronomy 18.15. The, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is a prediction of the Messiah. This is a prediction of Jesus Christ, a prophecy. In Numbers 21, verses 8 through 9, and we study this back in John 3. Make a fiery serpent, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. So it was, if, you, if a serpent, serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. And Jesus says in chapter 3, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Where is the Son of Man lifted up? On a cross. On a cross. Moses was speaking of Jesus Christ. Moses was speaking of him. In Numbers 20, verses 8 to 12, and in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, Moses is told to strike the rock to get water out of it. Paul says Jesus was the rock. Paul says Jesus was the rock. In Leviticus 1 through chapter 7, it talks about all the different kinds of offerings that you're supposed to make. All the offerings that you're supposed to make to God, that you're supposed to bring before God. Well, guess what all those offerings are an example of? Jesus. Every single offering is an example of Jesus Christ. And it all has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Tabernacle. Go back to the tabernacle in Exodus. Every single part of the tabernacle points to Jesus Christ. Every single part of the tabernacle in some way, somehow, shows Jesus Christ and his ministry. The word propitiation alone, which is, happens in Romans 3.25, speaks of the mercy seat on the Ark of Covenant. The propitiation. Where does the law of the bondservant come from? 
Exodus 21, and Psalm 40. Who said they were a bondservant? Jesus Christ said he was a bondservant. Psalm 40, verse 7 says, No wonder Jesus could say, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Yeah, Dave, I know that's Old Testament. Well, that's what we're talking about, Old Testament. But let me take you to the New Testament. I wouldn't want to leave you guys out. Two guys are walking down the road to Emmaus. You know the story. After the resurrection, these guys didn't even know that he was raised from the dead. Jesus appears to them. You know the conversation. They go back and forth. What? Where you been? Where you been all week? Talking about this guy, stuff like that. And then it says in Luke 24, 27, that beginning at Moses, beginning at Moses and the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in the scriptures the things concerning him. One commentator said this, quote, So the writings of Moses were prophetic. In them, nothing was completed. Nothing that Moses wrote of was completed. They all came together through Jesus Christ. He fulfilled every single one of those things that Moses wrote about in the first five books of the Bible. And this is an important testimony of the Lord through the Pentateuch. And that's what it's called. The first five books, the law, the Torah. It's very, very important that it speaks of Jesus Christ. Just the fact that Moses wrote these books and are still known by his name as author of these books. Verse 47 says, but if Jesus, final statement, but if you do not believe his writing, Moses' writings, how will you believe my words? He cut them right down to size. He cut them right to the quick. You won't even believe Moses' writing, and Moses is talking to me. How can you believe my words? You want to believe that Moses is talking about the Son of God. And Jesus calls him out. He says, you guys, I'm not taking you to a different faith. I'm not trying to give you a different faith. I'm calling you to believe what Moses said in the Scriptures. I'm telling you to believe what the Scriptures say, what the works say, what John the Baptist says. I'm talking about me being the Messiah, the Son of God. If they refused to believe his overwhelming testimony, it's highly possible that they're not going to believe Jesus' own words. And they didn't. But the nice thing about our Savior, he wasn't intimidated by these guys. He was not intimidated by these guys. This is just the first of a series of controversies that will continue. In fact, those of you who have a harmony of the gospel find out that the very next thing happens is, is that he violates the Sabbath again. He deliberately violates the Sabbath again to have a conversation with them. But the healing man in the, in the pool of Bethesda was the beginning of this controversy, and it would constantly resurface. The religious leader would fight hard against Jesus. They would not give up their traditions. Instead, they would protect them and refuse to understand the truth to the point of hanging Jesus on a cross. Well, if we silence him, he'll go away. If we kill him, it'll be over. Again, they made a pretty good mistake there. They made a big mistake. So we just read verses 34 through 47. We've been teaching on it now for quite a while. What's the application? What's the application of these verses? For if we were to read God's word and never apply it to our lives, we're no better than the Pharisees. We're no better than the religious leaders. If we read God's word and don't let it sink into our lives, change our lives, mold our lives, and show us the things that we might need to do, we are no better than the people that Jesus is talking to right here. So what's the application? You know, first of all, 
Real easy to look at these guys and go, bozos. Why didn't you believe? I would have believed. What's wrong with you? First of all, we need to examine ourselves. We need to examine what we're holding on to. We need to examine what we're holding on to. Likewise, here at Calvary Chapel, we need to examine and make sure that we're followers of the truth. Not just as we see it. The truth is not what you think it is and not I think it is. The truth is the truth according to God's word. That's the truth. We can't make up truth as we go along. What's true for you might not be true for me. No. True is true and not is not. And we have to follow that. So we can't judge these religious leaders. We can't judge them. But think about ourselves now. Maybe we're permitting religious traditions to evade our teachings. Maybe we're permitting religious teaching, religious uh, traditions to bind us from the truth. Maybe you're holding on to religious traditions. Maybe some of you are caught in the religious box of legalism or other things that bind you and keep you in bondage. Maybe you're trying to put others in your religious box because they don't believe the same way you are because they're walking in the freedom through Christ and you think it's just, oh, that's disgusting because they're walking in freedom through Christ. Do you study the Bible intently but fail to see Jesus in God's word, especially in the Old Testament? Does your knowledge of God's word give you a big head or a burning heart? When you study God's word, do you get puffed up because of the knowledge you have? I know God's word. Which verse do you want to hear? I got the whole thing memorized. Backwards. Are you puffed up with all the knowledge? Or do you have a burning heart? When, God, when you read God's word, do you sob or cry because God shows you something that, man, this is you, and you're like, oh my goodness, look what you showed me. And are on your knees before God, repenting and saying, I want to follow this. This is what I want. When you read God's word, does it take you to the cross? Does it take you to the cross and make you at the foot of the cross and you look up and go, I'm sorry. I repent. Are you standing for Christ or are you falling for anything? Are you standing for Jesus Christ or are you falling for anything? We need to apply these things from your life. Have you been set free by the truth of Jesus Christ? Are you still in the bondage of sin? Are you still struggling, being defeated and brought down day after day after day after day? Jesus is not condemning you. Neither are we. No one is condemning you. All we're doing is trying to show you a way out. Trying to show you a way out. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. We're trying to get you to leave that. We're not condemning you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I really think that within the next 24 hours, we need to try to have a reflection of Jesus Christ to everyone we meet. I think we need to be a reflection of God to everyone we meet. In every conversation we have, in every encounter we have, let them see Jesus in us. Let them see Christ in us. Let's depend on him when we make decisions, not making any type of decision without prayer. Let's look to him in all things. Let's be secure in him. Let's stand fast in our faith. Let's be in harmony with his love and how he moves through our lives. Let us love one another the way he loves us. And let that love be evident. Let's walk as children of the most high God. You're sons and daughters of the Most High God if you've accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross and are born again. You are his child. You are his child, and he loves you so much. As a father loves a son, as a father loves a daughter, believe that it was paid for on the cross, and when Jesus said it's finished, it is finished, and settle it in your heart. That's an application of these verses. Let's not be so concerned with our own needs, but the needs of others. 
Let's not be so concerned with our own ones, but the ones of others. Let us esteem others better than ourselves. Let not conceit come in there thinking we're better than anybody else, because we're not. We're no better than anyone. But we have Jesus. We have Jesus. I'm not better, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. You want validation? Let the Lord be your validator. Let the Lord validate you. Let the Lord give you the attaboy or girl. Let the Lord give you the pat on the back because it's going to come in the form of a crown. It's going to become in the form of a crown of glory. God is going to give you a crown of glory and you're going to go, oh, thank you, Jesus, and you're going to fall down his feet and put that crown right back at his feet and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why do we have to go around fishing for man's approval? Pretty good, wasn't I? See what I just did? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, pretty cool. I did that for the Lord. Oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't do it for the Lord. No, no way. You did it for you. You did it for you. Because someone who did it for the Lord, someone would hear, who did that? Who did this thing? As you get away, nobody sees. They'll let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Or is it your left hand know what your right Anyhow, no one's doing Apply it. Care what the world says about you. Care what Jesus thinks about you. The world's going to hate you. Jesus promised that. The world's going to hate you. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Get ready for that, bucko. I only care how the Father looks at me. I only care how the Father loves me. That's what my caring is for. Let's take time to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's all take time and be silent before him. Just sit before him and, and just clean all that he has for us. Soak it up like a giant sponge. If the Lord wants something for you, why wouldn't you want it to have it? Oh, yeah, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. What else you got? Come on. Yes. The Lord has so much for us. We haven't even cracked the ice yet. We haven't looked at the surface yet. We have to seek him with our whole heart. We have to seek him with our entire soul, our entire sufficiency. But let him be your sufficiency because his grace is sufficient. Be people who devour the word of God. Devour it. Meditate on it. Chew on it like a cow chews its cud. Mmm, mm, it's so good. Lord, wow. Feast on the word of God. Feast on it. Feast on it. Don't just read through it. Mm, I did my six chapters, that's it, you know. Feast on it. Feast on it. That's what the word meditate means. And meditate means look at it, depart it, break it down, chew on it constantly. You know how a cow has those two stomachs and he brings it back up again and goes, mm, that was pretty good. <laughs> you can do that with the word of God throughout your day. Wait a minute, I remember a scripture. Mm, that was pretty good. <laughs> Let the scriptures come to you as you're in God's word. Pour over it. Why? Because scripture is life-giving and life-changing. Scriptures change your life. If you allow it, let us be doers of the word, not hearers only. Let's put into practice what we preach. Let's put into practice what we know, what God has shown us. How do we do this? How can this possibly happen? How do we even begin to try these things that I just laid out? Zechariah had it best. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You must submit to the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit access to your life. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to move you in ways that will change your heart. 
move you and guide you and lead you into all truth. But you let the Holy Spirit do that. I don't know why this song came to me, but as I was doing this, I want people to have proof from me. I want people to have proof when they see me that Christ is in me. And this song came to mind, so please indulge me as we go through it. It's just a couple of verses here that I'll go through. You know the song, I'm sure you've heard it. If I sing but don't have love, I waste my breath with every song. I bring an empty voice, a hollow noise, if I speak with a silver tongue. If I convince a crowd but don't have love, I leave a bitter taste with every word I say. So let my life be the proof of your love. Let my love look like you and what you're made of, how you lived, how you died, love sacrificed. So let my life be the proof, the proof of your love. If I give to a needy soul, but I don't have love, then who's poor? It seems all the poverty is found in me. So let my life be a proof of your love. Let my love look like you and what you're made of. How you live, how you died. Love is sacrifice. So let my life be the proof of your love. When it's all said and done, when we sing our final song, only love remains, only love remains. So let my life be the proof of your love. Let's start today and let our lives be the proof of God's love in us. Let's not like be like the Pharisees. Let's not be like these whitewashed sepulchers who look really good on the outside, but inside are full of dead man's bones. Let's shine the light of Christ into the hearts of those that we come in contact with every single day. Every single day. If you do that, if we do that, we will see the revival we've all been waiting for. We will see people flock to Jesus Christ because they want to see something real in their lives. They're tired of the phony. They're tired of the false. They're tired of the world's way. They really are. They've tried every single thing from beauty projects, products to slim projects and everything in between. And it only brings them misery. They can't get to where the world wants them to be. They will never get to where the world wants them to be. You will never get to where the world wants you to be. But in Christ, you can be all things. You can be what God has designed you for. What God has designed you for. God looks at you and shows, oh, my son, my daughter, how much I love you. How much I cherish you. How much I want to hold you in my arms and just give you a good deal. God loves you so much. If you leave here today with anything, leave that he loves you so, so so much, so much. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on Assure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.